I always just go for the underdog. It's just something in me. With even with people, I will always go for the underside. I don't. I don't like judgment on people. You know what right have we got to judge people? Um, a lot of dogs get branded, um, and they're just misunderstood. Sure. And you know, I've got quite a few dogs that have been misunderstood. Where do I start with Kathy Grant? Well. Kathy's an incredible dog trainer and behaviourist. Her life is pretty much all about dogs and dog people. And she's calm and humble and practical. Her main thing is to bring broken dogs back from the brink. It's Kathy who takes on the shelter dogs and the rescue dogs who are on death row. You know the ones. The angry dogs, the aggressive dogs, the untouchable dogs that no one else will go near. Kathy gives these dogs one last chance at a good life. She also teaches obedience classes on weekends, and she's got a big, airy boarding kennel out at her property in the Lockyer Valley. It's mostly used for dog rehab. You'll see Kathy has heaps of dogs in her life who all need her in some way. And even though she's been a dog lover forever, she's still learning new things about them, dog by dog. I'm Michelle Ransom-Hughes. This is Oh My Dog, and this is the story of Kathy and the Underdogs. Kathy first worked with dogs more than 30 years ago. As a 16-year-old, I was I approached the kennels at Bald Hills. Um, they were looking for a dog trainer. At that stage, I had no idea what I was doing, nothing. But she was a natural and pretty soon was training dogs every day. Then one day, Kathy noticed a new dog in the kennels. It had the look of a German Shepherd Kelpie cross. It wasn't too big. But she was told it was vicious. Her bosses warned her. Uh, You're not to go in there anywhere near that dog. Uh, Hands off. Don't touch that dog. So I didn't listen, (laughs) as you do as a cocky 16, 17-year-old. Kathy couldn't leave that dog alone. And I used to sit outside the dog's pen every lunch break. And then I started giving it food. And then I started putting my fingers through and patting it. And then I opened the gate up and I went in. And then I took the dog out and I trained the dog up. What was it that made you persist with that animal? I felt sorry for the dog for being in that state. That dog will stay with me forever. To gain that that dog's trust was um, something so important to me now. When I look back, um, I had no idea what I was doing. And at the end there, the owners were just amazed. They wanted to meet me um, and thank me. That encounter happened a long time ago, and it certainly wasn't a straight road from there to where Kathy is now. But it's a great example of how some people just have a true vocation, and we can see the seeds of it in their younger self. I used to um, bring any strays home. How did that go? Not good. 
Always ask to take them back. <laughs> so where would you take them back to? Back to where I found them. Generally schools, around the school. But, yeah, I mean, I just had this softness for for animals in general. Kathy's still collecting strays. She's just not taking them back. She and her partner, Andrea, currently have 13 dogs living with them. And that's not an unreasonable number for Kathy because they're incredibly well-behaved and they're almost all rescue dogs. Some of them, like Border Collie, Scooby, were on the kill list before Kathy found them. But Scooby's now got this loving home, a huge pack, and he's got a job. Because when dogs come to Kathy's for rehab, her own dogs demonstrate what the new dogs need to learn. But how does a dog end up on a kill list? In Scooby's case, he was dumped as a puppy. Well, they have bins outside where the, where the pounds are, and if no one wants to hand them into the people, they actually just put them in the overnight bin. Now the pound has this sweet little border collie pup. So why not put him up for adoption? They were going to put him to sleep because he had a lot of anxiety. That anxiety was specific and he was injured. He'd busted two chains to get to get out um, when he heard a horse. Kathy put Scooby's physical condition together with his terror of horses to work out what was going on with him. Uh, he came to us... We worked on him. We realised pretty quickly that he had one leg shorter than the other. We believed that he was um, kicked by either a cow or a horse uh, as his leg was shattered. He was put on a chain, we believe, and it self-healed, so he wasn't even taken to a vet when it first happened. Scooby was probably bred as a working dog. Then one day, he's playing under a cow's feet or he's nipping at a horse's heels when that big animal smashes his leg. Puppy's chained up. He's not given a splint. His leg heals terribly. Now he's fearful, and as such, he's useless to his owners. And thus, this puppy, always cowering and with a bad limp, is dumped. We took him to the vet. We uh, got a few advices, like different vets' opinions on him, um, was it uh, amputation or was he, he actually in pain? They all assured us that he wasn't in pain. So um, we get him treatment once every two months with Body Works. Uh, we take him to the Cairo when we need to take him to the Cairo. Um, so far, so good. He's doing really, really good. He's our best rehab dog. Are you getting the picture? Kathy gets dogs. She hates to give up on them and she can read their pain. But although she started out with dogs at 16, it's only in the last decade that she's turned this affinity with dogs into her work. I think I went through um, life thinking that something was definitely missing in my life and I thought, what is it? We ended up buying a pet food business and we had that for four years. Then we sold um, and I felt lost thinking that I still want to do dogs. I still want to hang with dogs. The answer was right in front of her. Kathy had noticed that fights were breaking out amongst her dogs every afternoon, and it was her fault. It was this realisation that led her to change everything and become a dog trainer. So I'd get home from our work with um, doing the dog food, and I would be seeing my dogs and I'd be all excited about seeing my dogs, as you do. You know, you don't worry about anyone else except for your dogs when you get home. 
and I created fights um, because I was over the top. I was excited. I was their buddy, not their leader. So then, you know, it was just who's going to get to me first and then I didn't like that, so I'm going to attack you over that. So um, it was a real wake-up call. How did the penny drop, though, that that's what was happening with the, the pack? Um, it was actually my partner saying, look at it, look at yourself. <laughs> Hard truth. Mm. And I thought, that's exactly right. And bang, and then I just thought, well, that's it. Got to change. And off I went. Did you do a course? So? I did do a course. Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty impatient person, so I didn't wait for the Brisbane one. I flew to Sydney. <laughs> I was a person that had no patience. I want it now, and that's it, no matter what it was in life. Um, where dogs have taught me that, you know, it takes time to achieve what you really need to achieve. Dogs are not going to give you respect easily. They will trust you. They will love you, but they won't respect you in a lot, a lot of cases. Um, so we really have to earn that respect from the dogs. What does that look like to you? Um, I won't lay on you. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> want you to lay on me unless I invite you up. And I do. You know, I, I love my dogs and I do want hugs from my dogs, but if I really think about it, it's me that needs that hug. We have healthy boundaries within our lives, so why are we not able to have healthy boundaries within our lives with our dogs? And that creates respect as well. Sure, you know your dog loves you, but does your dog respect you? Every week, Kathy meets dogs whose behaviour is completely out of control. She says this is the natural outcome of people being too indulgent, failing to set rules. She calls this overloving. As I said, I love my dogs too, but I don't use my own emotions on my dogs and, and really, really overlove them. I don't. Dogs need a leader. Dogs need to be shown that they can and can't. So otherwise they do get anxiety or behaviour issues. If I just got a dog in and he was a bit naughty and I didn't have healthy boundaries and let my dog do whatever it wanted to do, then that alone would create issues for that dog. The dog then feels that he has to take charge. So when the dog has to take charge because nobody else has taken charge, the dog then starts to get anxiety and starts making bad choices like, oh, I am going to pull you on lead. I am going to bark at the dog next door. I'm going to start getting bigger and bigger within myself because I've got to make these choices. So pretty soon then you've got a dog that's getting out of control. But is the dog's behaviour a problem to them or just a problem to us? No, it becomes a problem to the dog itself because they no longer can healthily sit in their own body. So there's a connection between being um, full of ease and a happy dog, a healthy dog, is, yep. is relaxed. Yep. One dog that, or a dog that can lay around, for instance, and not having to be on, on the run all the time, on the go. My, my mind is so uh, going over top all the time. I'm looking to see what I can do. I'm looking to see who's around. I'm looking to see what noise that was. I can't settle. It's one of the first things that we teach, and I suppose when I put a dog on a mat and I sit beside that dog, 
um, I'm able to watch the eyes of the dog, the state of mind with the dog, as in, you know, is he, is he actually sitting down for a start or is he just going to stand there for an hour? To get the measure of a dog she's meeting for the first time, she has them sit alone on a mat. So if I put a dog on there and he sits within, you know, a few minutes, you know that he's not too bad. And the worst dog would be one hour that I, that he stood there and just drooled. And then he sat about an hour into it. No lay down. Not a good frame of mind. How do you bring the dog from that state into a settled state? I suppose in a way he's got to deal with it himself by the, the calming, just by put being on a mat. They become more confident, I suppose, with other works that we do. We put them over agility and um, teach them to walk better. Um, we teach them the treadmill. What's the point of putting a dog on a treadmill? It's exercise, but it's also confidence building. <laughs> and I'm not going to walk 14 dogs. <laughs> and so these physical tasks mm. have an effect on... The dog's mind state of mind so it's about changing that state of mind it's about calming that dog down getting the dog to um, be okay with itself Kathy's training is mostly positive rewards based training yeah that means it involves a lot of food treat after treat is given to reinforce good behaviour and when a dog masters the behaviour the treats are eased off dogs are also trained on lead And Cathy says the only discipline is the slight pressure that comes from the collar she recommends. It's called a martingale. I ask her to explain a bit more about the thinking behind her training. I believe that we change their mindset. Uh, We don't allow them to make a bad choice, but we teach them to make a better choice. So if I was to walk out the gate and my dog is going to pull me out the gate, then I just turn around and I walk back and then I go again and the dog is the same repeat so each time that the dog goes to pull out that gate, I turn around. So which is the pressure then on the dog as I turn. And then pretty soon the dog is thinking, well, I assume that they're thinking, <laughs> um, what are you doing? And they stop. And when they stop, then I walk out and I invite them out. And they want to go for that walk. Absolutely, they want to go. Mm. But I've communicated that I'm not going to do it. It'll be on your terms. Absolutely on my terms. Mm-hmm. So it's not about being rough handling. Rough handling on the dogs is way old school. It's about teaching them to make better choices or that there's going to be a consequence to their action. So that consequence was me not walking out. It's such a huge mental task to train a dog, your own dog, in this consistent way. Do you think people are up for that? A lot of people are, but you do get the odd people that find it too hard. It, it is hard work. It's very hard work. And it is consistency is the key. I mean, the majority of rescue dogs don't even know how to sit or drop. And this is why they become delinquent dogs is because nobody spent that time. They're cute and cuddly. Um, we'll have you in t- inside while you're cute and cuddly, but then you start chewing on something, then you go outside. Um, or kids come along, babies come along, you're outside, you're no longer part of the family. Mm. It's a fact of life, unfortunately, and that's the sad bit. 
and it, my job is just to educate people. Love is not enough. Love is not enough. Our inability as a society to look after our dogs is why so many are relinquished, dumped and killed before their time. Every now and then, Kathy takes a call from a rescue group or a shelter. They've got a dog on death row. Can she help? Winning over these difficult cases can mean saving their life, because if she wins their trust, she can train them. I got asked to take on a bull Arab. Um, she would have been about 45 kilos. Her name was Gemma. This rescue in particular pleaded with me. It was Christmas Eve to take this dog on. The dog was supposed to be good with people, good with um, other dogs. This is what was told to the rescue. Within the first 24 hours it bit um, the husband, it bit the dad and it attacked their dog. And they pleaded with me to take this dog. When she gets to the house, the dog, Gemma, is chained up in the yard. She seemed okay, and I went out there, no muzzle, but it had a tiny little U-bolt attached to the collar. So as I'm undoing this U-bolt, I saw the body stiffen, and I saved myself. (laughs) Kathy got a nip to the shoulder, so she backed away. She bided her time, and she kept trying until she could bring Gemma along with her. She was a, a broken dog. We worked with her. We used food only and just positive reinforcements. Um, We had her on a muzzle for about four days, five days. Um, Removed the muzzle. By the end of the six weeks, I put my head in her head together and we just... Great mates. Wow. So, but she was a broken dog. She had nothing left to give. I want to understand how Kathy is brave enough to go and collect that dog, to put it in her truck and take it home. I think I just want to help the dogs. I mean, some dogs you can't help and we need to be uh, a realist about that. Um, she probably shouldn't have made it. Her eyes were very dark and black and broken to her eyes lighting up with love. I always just go for the underdog. It's just something in me. A lot of dogs get branded um, and they're just misunderstood. When Kathy says misunderstood dogs, one thing she's talking about is dogs who carry injuries. Kathy's convinced that a lot of aggressive dogs and frightened dogs are that way because they're nursing some kind of pain. I've had um, dogs that have been quite aggressive. Uh, wanting to really go nuts at me, um, only to find out that they were full of soreness. I'm not saying it's the only reason for that aggression, because it's not, um, but it certainly doesn't help the dog. What sort of state do you need to be in to work with them? Um, as calm as, calm as you can be. Just go out and just deal with it. You know, I can't afford to be scared. I 110% respect the dog. 
if the dog has lunged at me, I will think, well, okay, I respect you. <laughs> but I have to work a way around to getting to you. And again, it takes me back to that, you know, taking my time as that young teen to understand the dog and to win that dog's confidence in me. So it's about that dog learning to trust me. I wonder how she started to understand the pain of animals. Probably from Scooby. Um, Being aware of what they can and can't cope with. We've had dogs here with um, patella injuries and they don't show pain. They just go on three legs and just keep on keeping on. Um, So uh, I've learned a lot just on the stance of the dog, the way that they need to walk, their distance of their paws being apart, uh, their gait, I suppose, as they run. She says variation can sometimes be the confirmation of that dog. But what she's looking for is anything impeding a dog's freedom of movement in the legs, the hips, the neck, and for symmetry in the dog's legs when they're walking, running and sitting. Looking at their eyes as well. What in their eyes are you looking at? Uh, just how dark they are or whether they're happy eyes or, or not. What are happy um, eyes? Well, just bright, nice and bright. But also above their eyes, um, is there any indentation? It can be pressure. So if I feel that inclination that they are sort of not tilting their head right or that that they have got a little indentation that they shouldn't have in that eye, um, it can mean that they've got muscle locked up in that area, giving them a headache basically. You can tell if a dog's got a headache. Well, is it a headache or is it just pain? So they're not able to tell us. So all I can do is refer them on and, and just make sure that the dog is okay. I feel like you kind of understand the dog's need for this, the physical um, satisfaction to have that mental zen. Yeah, I mean, I was a long-distance runner there for um, a lot of years and that taught me um, mental fitness. It taught me a lot. It taught me how to go within myself. A lot of lonely roads out there. Have you ever had a dog who'd run with you? I used to have, um, well, both my Border Collies did, um, but I also had a Doberman that used to run. So she was with me right from the start. What's her name? Mika. So she started the journey with me. You know, I couldn't even run 400 metres. The biggest I've run was 355 k's in five days. Did it twice. And I'm stopping that right there because then we get into my failure to understand why anyone would want to run that far. But the important thing is Kathy can't run now. She injured herself running to a degree that even walking isn't completely pain-free. Not that you'd realise that if you met her. I do love that Kathy's a long-distance runner. It fits with so much about her. The last thing I want you to know about Kathy is how she spends her spare time. I woke up with this idea one night to go and help the homeless. My idea was to go out there and just hand out food to the dogs or to the people that can't afford dog food every week. And it is an expense, but in my way of thinking, they do need that dog in their life because it helps them in so many ways. It helps keep them together. It's the last thing that a lot of people have in their life. To me, you know, if I can get out there and help them, that's a bonus. 
Um, I go down to Beanley once a fortnight now. I load my car up with dog food, which is donated goods. And then I go down there and people meet, meet me down there and I hand it out. I think it's my way of giving back to society. So how's it working out, this life that's almost 100% about dogs? I feel a much better person. I feel like I'm for once in my life I'm in control of myself. I've learned to chill more within myself. I love the fact that I'm helping not just the dogs but the people. I'm keeping dogs and families together. Um, I'm, I'm stopping dogs from being put into pounds. Giving dogs that second chance is, you know, it's what I'm meant to do. Sure, I wish I had started many, many years ago, but you know what? I may not be the same person either. Thank you, Kathy Grant, for sharing your story, and thanks, Andrea, too. Links to Kathy's charity and her business are up on our website. Oh My Dog is written and produced by me, Michelle Ransom Hughes. Saya Vogel is our mixer and sound designer. And if you hold on for a few moments, you can hear a new original song by Saya. Thank you so much for listening. Listening.